why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? The other side being death. I think that's a death joke. <laughs> and I like that's it. That's a very Jeremy Plum take on that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I am exhausted. It is. It just. It feels nice to just wake up on like a Saturday because it's also my first Saturday. That's on a Saturday. Yeah. My Saturdays were usually on like Wednesdays and Thursdays, so like it feels weird to like wake up on a Saturday and go like I have like nothing to do, and so does the rest <laughs> of the world. <laughs> I. I mean, I'm lucky. I had like, I had yesterday off for once. I work at mm. uh, Coldstone. So oh wait. It's, it's our like extremely slow season, so like. No one, no one wants ice cream in like the winter. You know, for some reason, people just aren't buying it these days. Just I, like, <laughs> I was a college student uh, at UNK, uh, Kearney, mm-hmm. and I remember I lived right next to a gas station, and I worked six hours a week, and I spent like my last dollar going across the street to that gas station and buying a Choco Taco. And then I looked at like what the uh, how cold it was, and it was seventeen degrees out outside. And I go, this <laughs> this feels right still. <laughs> It's, I mean, for me, like I, I fucking, I love ice cream. Ice cream all the time. It's like, it's forbidden. You know, it's like, you're not supposed to, it's cold. Yeah. Well, like it's, it's like that thing. It's like, I don't, do you want a hot drink on a hot day? No, uh-uh. fuck that. No. But like, I want a cold, I want, I, w- I want the cheesecake ice cream whenever. Yeah. I don't, I, I, that's, or birthday cake ice cream. It's, it's, um, it's like more tempting for some it reason. It is. I don't know. My gym is right above a cold stone. I think you work at the same cold stone. That's probably, yep, that's probably yep. the one, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and I hate it because I'll walk to the gym and I go, I need a thing about eating healthy. I want a <laughs> banana. And then I smell specifically cake. I always smell cake <laughs> and I want cake. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is Vernon the Light, a podcast where two comedians talk about their favorite type of desserts for five minutes. <laughs> um, I'm Jeremy, and uh, here today we actually have a local boy comedian, uh, Alex Preston. Hello, yeah. I am a boy comedian. That's yeah. true. <laughs> I mean, the local part I think was the main emphasis yes, of that. Also but, uh, local. Boy well. comedian yeah. just feels like 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 you're like a boy adventurer, and then there's like a boy genius. It goes like I'm a boy comic. I like. I like stand in my yard and just yell at the neighbors <laughs> about stuff I find interesting. Boy, boy comedian is appropriate though. Cause that's how I feel among like all these like dudes have been doing it for just years. And I'm just like, you know, barely a year and a half into this. And I, I just feel like, I feel like that, that Spencer kid almost still just like a little child compared to everyone else. That Spencer kid I know listens to this podcast. Hey, Spence. Hey, Spence. Um, uh, we mentioned, we mentioned that's weird. Um, Cause the next sentence <laughs> I'm to say is he's like 17. Yeah. So it, it's weird it's to go, a child. Um, yeah, he, that's a literal <laughs> human child. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for what it's worth, there are people who've been doing it four years like me, still feel like a child. Oh, okay. Yeah, doesn't, so it doesn't go away. It's just like imposter syndrome. It, it, yeah, it is. Cool. It is impossible. I literally cool. texted you saying, hey, I missed my bus. I'm going to be late. And I don't think there's a more juvenile sentence than, hey, I missed my bus. I'm going to be late <laughs> to this to class. Hey, sorry. I'm going to be late to school today. Uh, uh. Yeah, it's 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 a weird <laughs> feeling. Um. But uh, if it, yeah, no, you'll always feel like a child cool. forever because nice. there'll always be some person doing it one year older than you. So how's your week been? Uh, it's been it's been busy. It's been yeah. in, like I got class all week, working on homework. I did get to go to a. Are uh, you sixteen? I actually I am. <laughs> that's that's why like going to like when you're still in college doing this, it still it's just still feels like you're yes a high schooler basically, and you're like, oh, I wish I could go to this mic, but I have homework and class in the morning. <laughs> I've seen people do their homework at, during a mic, and I yeah. root for them. Like those are heroes. I'm, those people, good for them. Good, like, yeah. I, I 
can't like, my mind just doesn't work like that. Mm, I have to fair. focus on like one thing or the other, or I will just absolutely go completely insane. Well, speaking as an English major, yeah. uh, <laughs> I just would read during an open mic and just go like, ah, fuck the rest of this. I'm, I'll go on when I go on and then fuck it. I see. And I've tried that. Cause like I work the front desk of the back. You line, have done that. And then I just can't feel Cause like people are just three keep, different things you got to do. You got to yeah. give people their beer, give people their tickets, worry about getting on stage, do your homework. That's like and multiple things. I don't know if there's something about me that people just like, just want to walk up to me and strike up a conversation when I'm working there. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm kind of trying to, but I don't want to be a dick. So I'm like, of course I'll yeah, oblige. it's that punchable face and that's what it is. And that mustache. <laughs> It just says, I want to have a conversation about this guy. I bet he has thoughts about podcasting. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, uh, any shows this week? Um, I did have an improv show, actually. Nice. Uh, Thursday night, my level three improv class, we did our uh, Herald uh, performance. Herald's a fun, uh, it's a fun formation. It's, it was challenging at first to kind of like wrap your mind around the whole Mm -hmm. form, but uh, I mean, like we practice it for a good seven weeks. So yeah, since it's, since this is your yeah. class, why don't you explain to what a Herald form is? So it's uh one, it's one long show broken into uh, what are called like three beats. So mm-hmm. there's, you do an opening and it can be like any sort of like little game or just like introduction to the show. And then from there you'll go into it. The first beat, which is made up of usually like three, three longer scenes mm-hmm. that will like establish kind of the, the themes of your show. Uh, from there, you're going to another group game, just kind of like a little more fast pace, right? Fast pace sort of deal to like, just keep the, keep beating on like whatever kind of games or themes you've run into yep. in the show. Uh, and then after that, it's, it just keeps going. It's like, uh, the second beat will be three, three more scenes. Mm-hmm. Those are usually a bit quicker paced because you want to like really be like nailing into like the bigger themes or like the games right. in the show. Uh, from there, doing a final third or a second group game rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, you do like one real quick beat, and it's just kind of it can be one longer scene, usually like ninety seconds, or it can be like three thirty second scenes, all of which will just like again just be beating into that. Theme. Like and and that like at the third round you like you and the the group you like you know what the the, the game, game is the, you know right. what the game is at that point and so at that point you're like all just like for those listening yeah. a game can sometimes usually what it means it's an idea yeah. it's something that we think that what gets a laugh or it's a it's exactly, a yeah. it's a space that the actors and the audience want to be in, <laughs> yeah. in. there's there's yeah. so many there's so many improv terms that mean like just so many like weird different things right. like when you're saying like a group game versus like the game. It's, just, it's it gets, two different things, right? Exactly. Like that's why it's so hard to like wrap my mind around this whole form because like there's just all this, there's so many things going on. Right. Yeah. Uh, improv's improv's a fun, weird beast. Like yeah. uh, I, I think my favorite uh, improv that I've seen is people that uh, I did a couple of seasons at UNO uh, called mm-hmm. Unorthodox, mm-hmm. Uh, and it was we did a I forgot the the real formation of it, but what it was, it's it, essentially what made it different is the focus was less on humor and more on characters forming little stories and forming that. And that's, that's, I think uh, one part where improv shines, it also shines in humor as well. And that whole, uh, just chaotic energy. Well, and yeah, for me, like I wanted to start doing improv cause like, I mean, doing stand up that's like one half of your comedy brain basically. Mm -hmm. And like, if, if you're doing both, you're doing stand up and improv, you get a little more perspective into like the larger scope of like what makes things funny. 
Right. So, uh, what are the differences between, I mean, besides the obvious difference between improv and stand up, well, like what, what makes those, those two different brains for you? Like the two halves of the same whole. Yeah. Like for me, like if you're doing stand up, it's like, you know, it's, it's already like so scripted and like Mm -hmm. you, you know what you're like trying to improve on each night with improv is just kind of like a muscle that you have to keep, keep using to keep like seeing how it works. Like, right. I don't know how, how else to describe it, but like one's yeah, a Lego, you, one's a silly putty. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> one is <laughs> very structured. Way, but... One is very rigid. It can only go in so many different ways. Yeah. Like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Basically. And, and like a silly putty, you just keep playing with it, seeing what forms it can and, take. And yeah. And like the other thing I love is, um, like with stand up, it's solely like me, like, right. I mean, you know, you take an influence from people you like and stuff, but like at the end of the day, what you present is you. Mm-hmm. And then when you're doing improv, it's like you form this group mind and like, that's a whole other way to approach comedy is like, just, it's a collaboration process, which I, I think, I think I like a lot more. Right. Yeah. Totally. I totally get that. Uh, improv. I, I remember, um, I believe it was on comedians with day job with, uh, well, a former uh, guest of the show, Larry Smith. Larry, if you're hearing it, hiya. Um, but um, he got to interview and talk to Patton Oswalt. And Patton Oswalt uh, made a good point that every stand-up should do some improv. Uh, yeah. it, keeps, it keeps you fresh, keeps you fast, keeps you on your toes. Uh, and I've done, like I said, two seasons at UNO and um, about, I think, two levels, three levels maybe. Yeah, I think... What's the one that splits into, is it 4A and 4B or 3A and 3B? Uh, so we just finished level three and now we're going into level four. And I think our class decided to do the 4B. So right. that's, yeah, it's so like yeah. The, the quick play. Basically. Yeah, I've done three levels of improv at uh, Backline plus two uh, actual seasons at UNO. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it's it's helped me a little bit more with my, with my crowd work, with uh, kind of rolling and tumbling through any positives or negatives of a set. And I think it really does keep you kind of loose and kind of ready for whatever, whatever punches uh, come your way. Absolutely. And I, that's really important. And like one goal I have like long-term with doing standup is, um, and we'll, I mean, Rory Scovel, who we're going to talk about right. later, he, one thing he's tried is doing like full hour improvised sets. And that just seems, I mean, that's, I don't even know how one would start trying to do something like that long. But for me, that's like a really, that's a goal. I want to get to when you say an improvised set, uh, cause sometimes when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, uh, again, kind of almost like jazz. You have these like ideas that are kind of written in, but then the rest you kind of play with, you know, knowing your scales and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that what you think, uh, imp- when you, what is that what you think of when you think improvised standard, you have a couple of lines that work in there, but the rest and how you get there are kind of just, yeah. Yeah. A lot looser and lot like, looser. and just being willing to be flexible with how your set gets from mm-hmm. point A to point B to C and right. Yeah. Just playing in the space. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like just really taking into the room and like mm-hmm. feeding off the crowd, seeing what works. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anything else this week? Um, I went to a Wilco concert at the Orpheum and that was incredible. It was really cool. Maybe this is going to show my age. What's a Wilco? Uh, Wilco is a- Don't give me that <laughs> oh look. Don't you dare give me that look. <laughs> Don't you dare. 
Wilco. They're uh, they're like a is, alternative is, alternative rock band from Chicago. Okay, they're, cool. You had me all alternative. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> I will now catch them. You had me all alternative. Don't you dare give me that look. I have things I don't what is, know. What is a Wilco? <laughs> is it a band? Yeah, they're they're a band. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. That that helps. Thank you. Their their frontman Jeff Tweedy is like legendary. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've actually heard. Yeah, I've actually heard a tweet. Okay, cool. Right on. Yeah. Okay, see, see, like <laughs> I have weird blocks in my in what I know, but like I I, I, I get there. I get there. You no, know, that's okay. I don't. I mean, people will shit on you for like not knowing certain bands, but that's yeah, they will, <laughs> won't they? People will be very rude about that. <laughs> right? Yeah, they will be very rude about it. <laughs> Incredibly hurtful, Rich and Margie. <laughs> I have I have had some very embarrassing like gaps in my knowledge when right. it comes to music. And I'm always just like, I'm like, how did you expect me to know about that? I, I didn't <laughs> like, I didn't know I knew Prince songs until after Prince died. Okay. Well, Prince okay, is- little red Corvette. I didn't know. I didn't know. I just also with Prince having a, str- a stranglehold on like, uh, his music being streaming and putting on the radio. It is very True. hard to listen to Prince music legally. Well, now before that he died, before yeah. he died, now that he's dead, it's way easier. Um, I'll admit, yeah, I didn't listen to much Prince before he died because I didn't have access. Like, right. and I'm not, I'm not spending money on iTunes. I no. will refuse. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going back to my Lime Wire wire roots. I'm not going back. <laughs> I've done it. I'm not. I can't. I cannot go back. <laughs> Listen, stealing music, I, I'm not going to say if it's right or wrong. You do it if you want to, but it is a pain. Or I can just go on Spotify and whatever's there. Yeah. Whatever's there is whatever's there. Like, it's so easier. Um, but on the reverse side of that, like, I understand when people uh, torrent The Mandalorian um, because that show fucking kicks ass. But it's so, yeah. so many streaming services. Such I'm pain hoping, to fucking ass. I'm hoping, like, I can find someone with a Disney Plus pass. I have a Disney Plus pass. It is... I, I, I might just send you the password. Man, I, I finished the third episode last night. Uh, one, I hate binging shows because I can never finish them. So when something comes in like, hey, here's this new episode and you have that's, to wait. That's why I like like HBO shows a lot. They're very, it's, they're episodic. They're episodic. So you get, you just wait. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the only two shows I think I've watched every episode of like, I used to be Rick and Morty, but I've not catched up on this new season. I need to find a way to watch it. Uh, but it was like, yeah, I'll watch every episode of Mandalorian. I love Westerns. Yeah. And that's what that show is. It is just a Western. I mean, Star Wars cute baby like merch. meant to be like a kind of a Western. Yeah. So that's like the, the samurai. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched any of that yet, but I'm it's fan. Open. It's phenomenal. It is so fun. It is so quiet. I like a thing that it just explains its world that a fucking lore dump. It's amazing. Um, is that, did baby Yoda happen this week? Baby Yoda has been in every episode. Wh- what? Listen, I haven't. I, listen, I haven't okay, I'm not going like, to spoil anything. There's nothing to spoil. Baby Yoda was in episode one. Like it's like Baby Yoda is like he, is he your became stinger. like a meme this week though. Yes, because Baby Yoda is in our hearts. Okay, ba- Baby Yoda is in. I'm absolutely here for Baby Yoda. That I'm here. So funny. I hate children, <laughs> and I I I want. Oh, I'm going to say that again. So it's clean. I hate children, <laughs> but Baby Yoda, I die for. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I want to pick him one. Cause he's 50. Like I want to pick him up. Okay. So yeah, baby Yoda's 50 years old. They age slowly. That's that, fine. I can live with that. That almost makes sense. Sure. That almost makes sense. But if you really think about it, it really doesn't. But 
I want to pick up Baby Yoda. I want to like throw him in the air. Like I love Baby Yoda, but if like a real kid came up, I was like I want Upsies to go fuck off. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Maybe it's the ears. I think it's the ears. Well, and it's the size of a teddy bear too. It's, it's the like, size of a teddy bear. Yeah, and like I saw two little kids coming here, like trying to make like mini noise. Like I want to fucking punt both of you. <laughs> but Baby Yoda, I take a human bullet for for this fictional character. This was the first time I've ever been to to do space and. The moment I walked in is just two children zooming out on Heelys. And I was just like, wow, like is that that's what this place is about, I guess. It's, I didn't know this place was super fucking cool. They got Heelys? <laughs> where do I, yeah, where do I rent? Can I rent Heelys here? I, is that what this place is? Do Space is all about Heelys. It's all about Heelys. It's all about those scooters that turn into skateboards. And it's all about moon shoes. I feel that's, like I would have, I was expecting to see like more lime scooters out front. For some I, reason, I mean, I just associate this place with like those with lime scooters, with, I, like yeah, like I respect, that kind of weird tech stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know that weird tech stuff of like scooters, scooters that you can rent on the street, rentable That's, scooters. Yeah, which fun fact, Omaha is thinking about getting rid of this year. I after honest, a I year, sincerely hope they get rid of them. I I understand the hatred. I understand because I've heard of cities that like, just have like dump piles like in their rivers, just full of scooters. And I go, I get the hatred. I also like it. Also, it's like owning a motorcycle in Omaha. It's half the season is unrideable True. for these type of things. Yeah. It makes no legitimate sense. We're going to have like four to six months here where it's like, <laughs> don't even go outside. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a mistake, but everything's a mistake all the time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this is my new regular recurring segment. God is dead and we need to realize it. Um, I, my, I was, <laughs> I have a similar thing that I always say is like, like we have all died and we are in hell and like people, people just haven't realized it. Oh, that's the title. <laughs> We're all dead and this is hell. A comedy podcast. <laughs> We're laughing about it. We're, it's actually funny that we're in hell. It's it's hilarious. That's why there's so many web comics with the original idea that hell is a workplace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and one of those guys who wanted to make those uh, web comics, me. Um, right on. Yeah. I had a one show this week. Um, it was the one I mentioned last uh, podcast with uh, Sarah Mowry. We, it was the competition. Uh, oh, the Chuck and the, Bill uh, competition. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Wired, uh, at the Wired Bar, which fun fact was uh, where I did my first show when it was called the Shamrock. The stage is still the same. Wow. Um, and I'm assuming still kind of dog shit. Um, <laughs> I went there and I was up with uh with Brooke Barcel. She won. I did nice. my uh, yeah, good for her. Um, I, I my jokes were I think they were very funny. In fact, I was told, hey, keep them in your set. But they were incredibly sad for this group of people that did not <laughs> want to hear a guy kill himself. Oh, uh, <laughs> but I didn't mean to. It was like, this is just what I think of when I think of the topic was ghosts. How do I don't, not talk about death for a minute and a half? Like, we're just going to go with this. Yeah, it just uh, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I found out one of the guys uh, did bring up, you know, with those comedy competitions, yes, of course, the underlying rule is the more people you bring, the more applause you get, the closer you are to winning. There is nothing wrong with that. Right. The only issue is if you've been doing this for more than a year, every like all your friends, you're done. You, you've done, <laughs> you've wasted the slot. It's over now. <laughs> yeah. You have no friends that will go to a show. It's okay. <laughs> We have to do that sometimes for uh, like improv competitions. Like you stack the crowd in your favor. Like yeah, that's all you can do. That's your thing. Yeah. However, some of these people took, I'm going to heckle everyone that isn't my buddy. Ouch. Um, so that's that one hurt. Not cool. 
Um, like for Brooke and I, what he yelled is you two are literally the worst. And I went, well, I have a podcast you might enjoy. Cause I don't know what am I going to do? Not plug it. And, um, also it just felt nice that someone called me terrible without like an ironic tinge to it. So like, it just felt, it felt pure, you know, it felt warmer. Um, and it was hell. Um, cause that guy was just heckling everybody. Um, and then the guy who brought the crowd, uh, won, um, but he was a nice guy. He booked me on a show in December, so that'd be nice. fun. Um, but the rest of it, yeah, kind of a shit show. It was, it was fun. Like it was, it was fun to be there. It was just a bunch of comics, uh, all just chatting and just going, woof, what is this? <laughs> uh, and that's fun. I like that. Um, it's fun when we all find a common enemy, that one. It, yeah. That one guy. Yeah. And like, I, I even walked up, this is me. I'm not a strong man. I'm a very, I'm a very little man. Um, watch us like, Hey, uh, can you, can, can you shut the fuck up right now? Like, I don't <laughs> like, I get it, but like, shut the fuck up. And, uh, he went, yeah, but no. And I went, all right, well, you know what? That's, uh, that is all I can do. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you did good. Um, but it was actually hosted by Rome Daly, uh, and, cool. uh, and Bill Queen, Rome Daly has a really fun podcast. Uh, I do believe that you can at least find it on his, uh, on his comedy page, Rome Daly as himself on Facebook and that will have it. Nice. Uh, awesome. But yeah, no, like uh, I have one tomorrow, uh, a gig in South Dakota. Uh, I'm, I'm hanging out with a comic friend, Skylar Falls. Yes. Yeah, Falls. Cool. We're doing it in a parking lot of a pinball bar. Sounds very Sioux Falls. I've done it a couple of, I've done that show before. It's fun. Uh, the only weird thing is like, you, you don't hear the crowd laughing cause you can't cause it's outside. Right. Yeah. You don't like, get the, the contained space for the laughter. Right. You know? It does die really quickly. You know, I did a, I did a show over the summer. Uh, it was like a, it was one of those like part comedy, part music right. sort of deals. Right. I planned it with my friend, uh, Jack McLaughlin, who's a really good yep. local musician. Uh, check out his music on streaming services, folks. It was in the, it was at the B bar, mm -hmm. pretty big space. Already. I know the B bar. Yes. So it's a, it's a pretty big space already. And I wanted to, you know, kind of do some comedy while the bands were, it was like a big lineup of like young local bands. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to like do a little comedy between their sets. Yeah. Like they got to do a lot of setup. Right. And it was a kind of a disaster. Yeah. That, that's always <laughs> the roughest time to do a comedy. Cause like uh, a music people, set will just want to yeah, talk. People, will, they like in the back, they just want to talk. There's like a small kind of crowd that gathered up front. And I think they were like, generally they were being like pretty responsive and like listening to the comics, but you just couldn't hear them laughing right. or like, no, you couldn't tell. Cause like, it was just so much other noise in the space. And that's where one of the skills for doing improv just helps. Cause man, you just run through that, like just yeah. not show any sign of weakness and just kind of go through it. Um, tomorrow, like I'm going to probably hear some crowds, but you, if you're a newer comic, sometimes you got to learn this thing about like sliding that scale. Like, Hey, there's only two people uh, in the audience. Well, one of them laughed. That's 50% of the audience. That's still pretty good. Or like, yeah. Hey, this is what a really good joke sounds like in this crowd. And they seem very responsive. Okay. Well, that's how loud that's going to sound. Temper that expectation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you can just run with it. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you just got to 
be willing to be yeah. a user with it with like a crowd where you can't really like hear it, hear the feedback. You just kind of gotta trust your your instincts. Yes, and just there, yeah. just run with it. And so it'll be yeah. it'll be fun. Um, I'm excited. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be a fun little road trip. It's gonna be me and David Kalsgard. We're gonna oh, be cool. driving up there. Uh, nice. It'll be fun. Yeah. Fun. Um, and that's been pretty much my week. So let's uh, let's dive into this. Let's talk about. Uh, you asked me, you've asked me a couple of times, like, Hey, I want to talk about Rory Scovel. I am such a big Rory Scovel fan. Why? why and why this special? It, what, what drew you to this the special? First special I saw that like really made me appreciate like what someone can do with the standup special. It was mm-hmm. just like such a, he's just such a strange, unique guy. It, it is and very he, unique. Yes. He, he's such a, he really likes to be like meta with any sort of thing he does. Like I have a, a not like not only in the special does he kind of like mock the format of the special, but I have a, uh, a vinyl record of his. Oh yeah, those uh, are fun. Live, live at Third Man, and he yes yes like he he does. And by the way, the special we're talking about, I forgot to mention, it is Roy Scovel's uh, try stand up for the first time. Correct. Yes, on on Netflix. On Netflix. Yes. So the on the that final record I have of his, he first of all, all the titles of the tracks are in Braille, mm. but you can't read them because they're flat. Because they're flat, yeah. <laughs> Which is just such a like perfect tiny little joke to work into that. And then uh, it goes from side A to side C, <laughs> and he makes so many jokes on side A about what he's going to do on side B. He's like, I'm going to do this, like I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to talk about this. And then he, you know, skips over to side C. Right. Just funny in itself. And then at the end of the record, at the end of side C, he completely cuts off the end of this. Like he, he sets up, he's like, and you know what? Black people. And then just cuts off right there. Yeah. And obviously like he knew it was going to cut off and he wanted to like stoke. Have something, right. Yeah. He wanted to like lead the, like lead the listener to think a certain like, he was just like playing off the format so well to like work in a tiny little joke like mm-hmm. that. And what about, uh, all of those are in, uh, of course, the third man special. Yes. But what about the uh, try to stand for the first time? That gets uh, to you. So in that, he makes a lot of jokes about like when he's going to finally start filming the special. Right. He'll, he'll go like, he's like, all right, I like to go to about like 20, 30 minutes into the special and then we'll start the cameras. And then he's already at the end and he's like, like, you know what? And the big, like the big thing you need to take away from all this. And he's like, now, now we start recording. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then in the middle of it all, there's this like little sketch of him just like doing an interview with uh, Jack, Jack White. With Jack White. Yes. Of all people. Now, Jack White, you're a revolutionary artist. You're known for doing a lot of firsts in lots of different fields. Roy, you've never done stand-up before. I have never, ever done stand-up. Or let me, let me, let me handle this. Rory has never, ever done stand-up in his life. Throughout the years, every single time I've watched a stand-up comedian or a late-night show appearance of people who've rehearsed the material, written it, done the research, done the road work, paid their dues. Professionalism. We've seen that. What about a guy who doesn't know what he's doing, is completely out of his element, unattractive, probably not that funny? What would that be like? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's, that, that is a more, a more uh, meta joke because Jack White owns the record company that Rory Scovel yeah. did the third yep. man. 
that, so yeah, they have some sort of connection. And so yeah. if you wanted to like work that in to mm-hmm. like plug that, he's like, Hey, I know Jack White, by the way. Right. Yeah. We're buddies. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's just, he's just like, he's, he's such a like smart guy. Like he's not going to just like make like a cut and dry special where it's, you know, some dramatized drama, you know, the word. Yes. Yeah, they're all almost, uh, like some like just boring intro. Like he's yeah. gonna, he's going to make you, he, make you think about like the format itself and like mm. how he's like subverting it. And it's just like, he's just such a smart comedian. I think what Rory Scovel uh, did best in this special is that he breaks down and plays with the idea of a uh, professional uh, setup and a professional, uh, breaks down the yeah. idea of professionalism. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, like those jokes about like doing it inside B, doing it inside C, or uh, in this case, what I saw mostly is yeah, the the radio or man, what if I just did this? Or man, what if I just did this joke the entire time? Like just really <laughs> yeah. playing with the audience that this is not, uh, cause I doing a little extra research. I was reading the AV club. Mm. The AV club, uh, is, uh, really fun with uh, talking about it. But in this article talking about, uh, this special, they mentioned that, uh, doing your very first stand-up special, it is so awkward. And so it, you're going to fail because it is such an unnatural thing. Yeah. It is a, and I've said it multiple times, it's a one-sided conversation. Mm-hmm. And what Rory Scovel does is he plays with that notion of, making it a, a more so of a one, uh, one side of conversation, asking these questions that will never get answered at uh, playing with these, uh, expectations of what, uh, really constitutes conversation. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the special because it was very abrupt, uh, joke starts, abrupt jokes ends, but that's really the format he's playing with. Yeah. And it is mostly just playing with this idea. It's like, well, what if, what did you think of the, <laughs> the sketch that he starts off with. I, uh, I have always hated sketches before a uh, stand-up special. I find fair. them That's almost fair. incredibly pointless. Um, Comedy Central specials, I think were my biggest, were the biggest sinners of this, yeah. like early ones. Like they were all very much like, I'm just going to wait. And I was like, let's do something wacky while I'm waiting. And I was like, I don't, I don't care. I, I, I usually try and skip, um, uh, that hurt that, that then burned my ass when I was watching actually the Maria Bamford special. Um, because I thought that the first 10 minutes were all, it was all sketch, uh-huh. but no, she's really just doing her special in her living room. And, uh, <laughs> so when you play with it, it really is fun. Um, I just, I just don't like usually the sketches. Uh, but Rory Scovel yeah, does have this, uh, presence that says, I, this is weird. Like, yeah. let's just talk about these expectations that we have that really come out of nothing. Like, what if it was just all one anal joke? Right. What if I just thought 15 minutes for 15 minutes? What if I just asked you, Hey, do you guys do anal? And then just playing with the ideas. Like, what if I didn't call it anal? What if I just called it butt fuck? Hey, do you guys like butt fuck? And I was like, this like that and playing with that. And that's, that is really fun. That is taking that idea and taking to its uh, nth degree and takes a form of improv and takes a form of knowing when the audience doesn't want to fucking be here. Let's get right into it. Anal. Who's done it? Who's done anal? Who here's done anal? Who's done anal? Who here has done anal? This is the show. Who has? Wait, so is this the show? This is the show. This is the show. Anal. Who's done anal? But like anal. Anal though. Anal. Who has done anal? I have one joke and I'm halfway through it. This is, this is it. I do sort of a reverse Louis C.K. I write one new joke a year. 
And this is actually a three-year-old joke, so should be a pretty good special. The, and that joke could have not worked, and that could have been like the first five minutes of the special instead. But like, there's something about that crowd there that night that they, they just, just like wanted it. They wanted it for for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like what? <laughs> and then how do you? And here's the question: Is how do you know an audience wants it? And you could say, oh, it's the laughter. Well, not always. Right. Like we'll have you. We you and I both done improv. You've had a crowd that just laughs at anything. Absolutely. And that sucks. Sometimes. Because you don't know what's what's working, what you, when right. to keep doing. You don't know what to add. All you know is that they're definitely drunk. They're definitely they will, drunk. You will or, get whatever. You or they're can. definitely your friends. And it's like, I need to figure out how do I add on to it? Because some people think that improv is just adding rocket parts to cars. Right. And it's just doing whatever. And it isn't. If you do that, those shows fucking suck. Yeah. Uh, where it's just random all the time. There's no point to it. It really, really sucks. Rory seems like he's doing that, but he really isn't. He's He has some idea, like, yes, that part where he goes, but fuck, that is a middle part mm -hmm. that is adding on to it. Hat and a hat. Yeah. Hat and a hat <laughs> so he knows what to do yeah. so he can move on to the next part. Uh, the camera stuff that's all planned, but like not planned to the point of he knows when he's going to use it, how he's right. going to use it. I... I've always wondered if the the jacket thing he did, he pulls up his jacket. Yeah. It does seem like pretty planned because he had this whole bit about like how Kanye was going to invent Do that it. jacket. Yeah. But those are the kind of things where you can't like, you can't tell with Rory. That's how like, and that's a really good thing about improv. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you want to see, let's say I don't understand improv. Welcome to being an improv artist. You don't, we don't understand improv either, but <laughs> I think if you want to see this cut and dry, go watch Chappelle's very first Netflix special. Um, when he talks about OJ Simpson. That, yeah, that yeah, one, yeah. You'll notice whenever a joke kind of bombs, whenever something doesn't go well, he stops and goes, let me tell you about the second time I met OJ Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you about the third time I met OJ Simpson. I only met him three times and he'll save that for a lull in the set. That is Rory Scovel saying the word buttfuck. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, hey, this whole saying the word anal goes, uh, is now going a little low. I, I had this planned joke, accents, buttfuck, gas station. Okay, I'm going to put it in. Crowd's back with me. I can now try another bit. Yeah. And that's, to a degree, that's the game. Absolutely. That's the game. And yeah. that's, that's important. Um, and that will, a crowd will really fucking love it or a crowd will really fucking hate it. And, <laughs> um, and that's fine. Making a show not for everybody is. The, and so, and I saw, I saw Rory live, um, last year uh, in Kansas city at record bar, mm -hmm. it was a really cool show. And he was trying some pretty new ish kind of, right. he was trying newish material because he was, you know, getting past that stage of having just done that special. And he was right. just like working on new stuff leading up to hopefully another one. Hopefully another special. Love to yeah. see more from him. But, um, and he was like, he was very honest. He's like, you know, guys, if some of these jokes just get one laugh, that's cool. Like I just, I just need that level of like knowing how it works. Yeah. So like, he's, he's very honest about how he, like his process. He's like, this isn't going to work sometimes. And like, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. In comedy, there's like, especially, we could talk about the social unwritten rules for hours, I don't care. But it's the, when it comes to performing, there are a lot of like, I, between audience and comedian, there is some uh, social contracts. Like a joke has an A, a B, a C, you move on. Yeah. Right? Rory doesn't do that. And that's 
perfect. That's 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 what plays with that audience expectation. A lot of comics do that, but that's what this yeah. special I think plays. Well, with Well, I most. think with that way, like you know, what you're getting from him is just like it's all it's all Rory. It's like, all Rory. He, yeah, he just wants to be like true to himself, and like that's that's what makes someone like a really cool, successful. Just like when they can be that be themselves, true, true to themselves. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, it takes a level of confidence, takes a level of uh, uh, a guts to really say that, hey, everyone who bought a ticket, we all expect something. I'm not going to give you that. I'm going to give you something else. Yeah. And if you're performing as a comic now, you might go, I want to do that. I want to do that. I was like, yeah, cool. But there's a reason why when you take a poetry class, it, they teach you about the forms first before yeah. they fucking teach you about free verse poetry. Because yeah. <laughs> your free verse poetry is gonna suck. Oh, big time. Um, it, it's gonna have to go through so much editing to be like anything. Anything like, worthwhile. And that's stand up too. Like, it's it's stand gonna have up. to go through so much editing before it becomes a good Yeah, joke. and yeah. you're gonna have to learn what a setup punchline is before you get there. Like before you wanna like break the mold, you gotta know what a mold is. And I know that is yeah. the most frustrating thing. It's like, no, I want to get to that point now. It's like, no, 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 no. Tell me what the chicken did. Yeah. Just tell me, <laughs> tell me what the chicken did. Yeah. Which took me 20 years. That's a suicide joke, I think. <laughs> like, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? The other side being death. I think that's a death joke. <laughs> and I like it. That's a it. very Jeremy Plum take on that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It has a good, it makes a sense. good on that chicken. I get it. I get it. I respect it. Um, <laughs> I'm also just really hungry for, ch I'm really, really hungry. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, no, that is, that's the, you, you got to learn to walk before you can swim is such an old cliche, but it's there for a reason is because you got to yeah. learn it. And I think that's what Rory shows that end result. Oh yeah, uh, and before that, it's years of like, hey, if this juggling gets one laugh, that's fine. I just need to know that, yeah. and that's we we also are at that point. But like at a at a Patty's or at a Barley, it's like, okay, this joke only got a laugh. Yeah, Oof, we're and gonna it, cut and it. It shows kind of like as you go through the levels of comedy, like you, you the process doesn't change. The like process you, doesn't. You change. You just gotta you know stick to yourself, be true to. Yeah. At the end of the day, like just being true to yourself is what matters. The title is my first time doing stand up, uh, and so I want to know, hey. What was your first time doing stand-up like? It was uh, at the back line. Uh-huh. It was uh <laughs> it was like a Tuesday. So yeah, Tuesday night. Tuesday. February. This is, this is probably back when they only did it once, twice a month. I think so. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. yeah. They were still doing it only twice a month back then. Mm -hmm. I got about three minutes of okay material together. Yeah. For a four minute time slot. Yep. That is fine. You never have to use up the full slot. If, yeah. if, hey, new guy that has like a joke, that's fine. Tell your one joke. Get a laugh. Get the fuck off my stage. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stay up there longer than you need to. <laughs> yes. Save yourself the embarrassment. Do your bit. Get out. Uh, right. Yeah. So it was, I think I got, so, you know, some decent first timer laughs. Yeah. Like they get that I was telling what were almost jokes. We're almost. And so, hey, what does that mean? First time laughs. Does that mean no, almost no one's laughing, but a few people went, ha ha, all right. First time laughs are majority simp like sympathy laughs. Yes. They're like They're like, he wants to hear me laugh, so I'm gonna do it, even though it's not like actually good. Like they can- yeah. We can feel it. They can see the- Parts. The parts of a joke together, and they're like, you know, good for you. You, you finished the formula. You plugged <laughs> in all the parts. I think those are good for like- it. You know, those are good to get you going. Yeah. They, yeah. They tell you 
for me, like I, the first time, the first set I did, I never, I don't think I've done those jokes like ever again. Yeah. Because I, you, you start to learn like what works and you're what like, so it? I was like, so those were funny. They got some laughs, but like they weren't the laughs that I wanted. How mm-hmm. do I, how do I get those laughs that I want? So have I you revisited those premises yet? I mean, I it's only been a year. So like I get it, but like, uh, have you, have you looked back on it and go, I want to re-see where those premises can take me. I do have a video of mm-hmm. that set. Ooh. So, and I've, I think I've watched it like once oh, since I did no. that. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I told those, those jokes. Yeah. But, but I, again, like I, I saw like the pieces of the, you saw the formula, mm-hmm. but like I saw like why it kind of worked. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, someday I could definitely Go like back. turn those into good jokes. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. Um, about six months before I really say I started doing comedy, it was winter, mm-hmm. um, about four and a half, five years ago now. And it was at the shark club lounge. It was my winter break. I mm-hmm. was doing, I was about to, I was in forensic speech mm-hmm. and I wanted to do something called an ADS speech, which is just like your regular, in, uh, informative speech, your regular persuasion speech or any types of regular speech, but there's humor in it. Mm-hmm. I, go, I want to be funny. I've always wanted to do this but I can't just jump into this speech and try and be funny without really any, I, I want I want to get some time under my belt. Mm-hmm. I thought as I go to the one open mic I knew, I just Googled open mics in Omaha, uh-huh. which now that's adorable. Yeah. Um, that is <laughs> cute. Uh, you dumb motherfucker. Um, I went to the Star Club Lounge. Uh-huh. That building doesn't exist anymore. Where was it? 72nd and Dodge. Oh. Uh, no, about 72nd in like center. Okay. That old hotel. Right on. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and I went and I told a story that was funny to me and my friends. And that's a, like, you'll have two types of new persons. Yeah. I have some jokes I've been working on, or I have some stories I told my friends that were funny. Yeah. And I did that Ooh. with some crowd work and it, I got told I was great. Another problem. You weren't. Oh, uh, but deep down, I knew can't, that you can't get that kind of ego pump that quick into doing that. Well, I, ne- I never felt like an ego pump because I looked at the crowd and go, they're not laughing, but this guy says I'm good. Okay. So there's, I, I got it. Okay. Um, but Fair enough. I, I, it felt like a thing that clicked that never clicked before. And I wanted to keep doing it. Nice. And then I remember I was thinking this week actually about my first time doing stand up. Uh, I started at the beginning. Uh, as a kid that was afraid of failure. Like that was one of my main OCD triggers uh, was a fear of failure. And I would get down, I have no mic, run outside of the building and just breathe because I needed to breathe. Yeah. Um, but then it grew, it was like, hey man, I got like a third of the audience to laugh. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, I got half of them. Now it's more like, mm, how do I feel saying this joke? What is, what is, where are the laughter's coming? Is there, can I can control it? How is my face going? Yeah. Like there is that now that evolution of how you are standing and doing jokes where it was like, I just want everyone to laugh all the time. Now it's like, I want people to laugh and feel something when I tell them to. Yeah. And that's what Rory did. Yep. I think Rory and playing with that whole, I don't know what standup is, got to then break it down and go like, I'm making you laugh when I tell you to laugh by scream a certain way. I'm saying words a very specific way. And you can say that about every single standup set is like, I want you to laugh when I tell you to laugh. But like Rory, it's like. It's beyond like with Rory, I think it's like beyond just like the formula of jokes. It's like a whole personality you get with him. And like, he just creates, he creates this character on stage that I almost feel like he 
can never replicate the same way twice. Exactly. Like you just get you get such a unique experience with him, and like it's yeah. cool that they could capture that the, with and, his special. And when you talked about like first time laughs, we laugh because we know what the cadence is. We know, but 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 fart. Okay, fart's <laughs> what I laugh at. Yeah. Rory, it's like I'm always on my toes now. Yeah. I'm always on my toes. Every word might be leading into a turn of phrase. Everything might be there. So I'm always going to be there because we took it away. And that makes, can make the audience uncomfortable. And uh, it can also make the performer uncomfortable because it's that thing of unknowing. Yeah. But through improv skills, you can then create something that is incredibly funny and also incredibly in the moment. And that's what that special is all about. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. And also, the reason why I brought up the idea of bring, doing your first uh, jokes again. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was one, one, I always recommend Gary Goldman's Twitter has a ton of, uh, advice and I try yeah. and read it every morning, but there's one that I love is like, Hey, remember that for those first jokes you ever wrote, go back to those. Do what, like me, me, I'm finally doing my very first jokes about an ex-girlfriend that we're still very much good friends with. Uh, she's saying, I love you after a week and I didn't know how to take it. Right. Back then I said, isn't that weird? And I go, no, 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 no. What's weird is. I said, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an old tired cliche premise. Like, well, then how do I play with that tired cliche premise? Well, there's worse things you could say than I love you. I could say good for you, champ. I could say neat. I could say shaka bra. Like there's things you can, and you can play with that, but I wouldn't have thought of that after on my first set. And that's always a fun challenge. Going back to those old failures and going, how would I do it now? And that's, you, 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 you always are growing and always improving and taking old failures and making it better makes, uh, allows you to just, uh, recycle and feel better as a comic. Yeah, definitely. And like, obviously since, since then, like I've, I've had jokes that go through just like waves of, you yeah. know, waves of editing completion. and like how to work them into a longer set and like how they connect with each other. And like, that's just been the, the challenge of like, right trying to grow over like a year and a half. Trying to be a, yeah, trying to, yeah. And a year and a half uh, is still incredibly new and it's yeah. uh, it's fun to be in that kind of thing. It's like, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do and that's always fun. That's yeah. your first time doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's always, it's always nice. Um, if you had to take away anything from this album to kind of grow or uh, teach other people through this special, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm known to have one. <laughs> man, I think... It's just kind of, uh, I think a good thing to take away from it is like just, Rory, like Rory doesn't take himself too seriously. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the whole, that's the that's the big lesson of the whole special is that like he, cause it's called, you know, he tries it for the first time. Obviously he's been doing this for years, years, like probably well over a decade, like leading up to getting his first special. Right. And he, so he's saying like, he's doing this for the first time. Like he's just like, so he's clearly trying to just say like, don't take yourself too seriously when you're doing this because at the end of the day, like you're just supposed to be helping people enjoy themselves. Exactly. Like, that's, like you're, you're just trying to entertain, have a good time, help other people have a good time. You know, don't bear like so much like weight. Don't think like you're more important than you are. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I, I agree. Um, my big takeaway is learn to perform without a safety net. Learn to uh, perform without, and that could be anything like a hacky premise. That could be, hey, are you always doing a rule of three? Stop doing it. Do do a different form of joke. Always try and perform without that safety net. It'll allow you to grow. And always uh, don't be afraid to be fluid. Yeah. Like uh, if, if your set is different than the last, totally do it. I mean, there was a point for about a year 
where if I did a show and they asked me to do a tight five, maybe one or two jokes would change, but it was always the yeah. same five because that's yeah. that was my safety net. And then go, eh, no. Like it's I'm now not opening with the same openers. I'm now and yeah. it, it makes you feel more confident because like where where am I gonna go next? And that's yeah. a fun feeling as a comic to be is I kind of know what's gonna happen next. Let me let me lean into this into this uncertainty and like kind of be there with the audience. Yeah. And it's and that's an improv feeling. It's like I'm gonna be there with this audience. We're both gonna grow with each other and figure out where this next part is. And taking that into a uh, stand up part, a stand up uh, mindset uh, allows it to be kind. Of, I think more active and more aware when you're speaking. And that's always makes doing stand up more fun. And if you're yeah. having fun doing it, then you're a better comic. Absolutely. And yeah. I think like another third big takeaway kind of like it goes along with both of them, but just like trust in yourself as a comic. Yeah. Ultimately just like be willing to take the risk. Don't take yourself too seriously. Just trust in yourself and like be yourself. You'll figure out, you'll figure it out as you go on. You'll figure you know? it out. And I think that's it. Like uh, a newer comic. Yeah. Like we've seen newer comics on their first show or whatnot. They're always like, I don't really know. I'm really scared. Here's the thing. One, if it's a show show, we wouldn't have booked you if we didn't think you would shit the bed. Right. Uh, that or we needed some time to fill. Uh, <laughs> but like go on stage for five minutes. That's your microphone. Play with it. Play in that space and you'll do fine. Yeah. Or you'll suck. And it's fine that you suck. Goes another mic tomorrow. Exactly. And you'll be fine. Um, just just take those chances to play those games you want to play and just reach for it and something good might actually come. And Absolutely. yeah, like maybe you're going to talk about anal for five minutes, but if you, if or you, 15 or 15 and maybe if it's engaging, yeah, guess what? Talking about anal for 15 minutes can be interesting. If you one, if you know what a joke is right. and it'll be fun. Cause I remember I had a guy, uh, years ago before, before you at the beginning of my time, there was these two brothers. I remember a guy sitting on a bar stool talking about the word cock rings for five minutes. And he, and he had his beavis and butthead laugh. Like, uh, and he would just <laughs> say the word cock rings, do the laugh and go, it's really fun. Cause like cock and ring. And I go, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that. Um, and I was a special type of shit show. <laughs> um, and this anal bit wasn't that it was more like, Hey, wouldn't it be weird if I just did this? Very controlled chaos. It was very controlled chaos. And that is something you'll have to, you'll have to really bathe in the fires and understand everything to get there. Um, but if you want to like, uh, pay attention, pay attention to when it's fun to bomb, when it's fun to have a chaos show. Like I, during that show we talked about on uh, Friday when that guy was just heckling, like, and, or, and he was the only noise I heard in the audience because everyone else was like awing and feeling sad. Yeah. So I would just turn to Roman Bill and make some fun jokes on the side that were just really for the three of us, but that's when it can be fun. Absolutely. Yeah, like we've, we've done shows where it kind of bombs, but it's still fun to do it. Take those, write it down. What made those fun? Yeah. It's because I was way that's, more intimate. That's why I myself. started, like I, you mentioned Gary Goldman. He had a big thing yes. about like recording all your sets, listening to him, mm -hmm. sitting down to like write and edit. And I've started to do that more because like I've, I've realized like even if you're doing kind of a lot of this, if you're doing a lot of the same jokes for like a few weeks, like if you, if you record them, you'll kind of, and listen through, you'll learn like what parts were, what parts worked and why. Yeah. And it's like, it just feels like a essential part of the process. Yeah. I usually ask what's your biggest bomb, but what's your favorite bomb? What's your favorite shit show? 
where mm. things went off, where shows went off the rails? Uh, <laughs> there's actually one like just a couple of weeks ago at, at Barley Street for the one of the open mics. Like, yeah. There was a pretty decent crowd to start, I remember, but my time was a bit later, obviously, and the crowd's going to clear out. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the night, I'm performing for like three people, and I know them all pretty well. Right. Like two comics and one wife of a comic, mm. basically. Yeah. And uh, I just decided, just I said like, fuck it, I'm just going to try some some new jokes, work in some ones I've been working on, mm-hmm. see how they can get better. And maybe two laughs the entire time because they've all heard the jokes before. Right, and how'd that feel? How'd that feel when you just kind of embraced it? I, it felt good because I was like, I just, I know what I came here to work on. And yeah. I've, you know, like there's no better time to just say fuck it and try like something new. See if yeah. like, see if one of these three people will get a little chuckle out of it. And they, I tried something new and like a couple of them laughed. I was like, okay, maybe I should keep trying yeah. this with like actual crowds. And, you know, you just kind of, Roll the punches. Like nice. if you're gonna get a shit crowd, just like know what you came there to do. Yeah, part of the process. You gotta know why you're there. My favorite bomb is somewhat similar to yours, but it was a show. It was two guys from South Dakota. I think it was Skylar. It was Skylar Bulks, and I think it was Zach Dresch. Uh, they said, "Hey, can you just give us the room?" And I go, oh, "Cool, I'll talk to Dylan. We got the room." Mm-hmm. I then took a step back. I wasn't in charge of promotion. I wasn't doing any of that. All right. And I just got on and we did, it was just the three of us doing an hour together and we go in and there's one guy. The audience is one guy. Oh my God. Don't, we don't know him, but he's just sitting there in the corner. Like he's not in the middle. He's in the far left. And then it just goes, all right, fine. And then another comic comes in and just watches. She's, she was on a previous show with Stephanie Miller. I appreciate it. Uh, we sit, like we, we do the entire hour. And here's the thing, going up and doing a show of two people and the guy who's sitting there is cross-eyed and he's like clearly enjoying it, but he doesn't laugh. Mm-hmm. But I ended up just like, fuck it. And I'm just talking to these two people and I'm just having a conversation with them. Uh, and I'm sometimes sprinkling in jokes. Yeah. And it was so fun because like, I don't, fuck it. What's going to happen next? Oh shit, this, okay. And like, and then the you know, Skylar and Zach sit in the corner and it's just the three of us also dicking around for the, for my 20 <laughs> yeah. minutes. And that's fun. And if I, if I really wanted to make that part of my, my, my style, I would take that and write that. I was like, how do I incorporate that? Yeah. Well, I have these jokes and I incorporate that with a more conversational style with the audience. What are you doing tonight? What, uh, Hey, uh, how are you feeling? Me, I want to kill myself. And it was like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's not all I can think of right now. But like playing with that and really working with that to to build further, and that's how you create a Rory Scoville. And Absolutely. that's what that is. And it's so much fun. Yeah, and it goes back to that lesson of like, you know, just seeing yourself as as a comedian. Like, if you're not taking it too seriously, then you're going to just want to like, you just want to create an atmosphere where everyone there is having fun. They're entertained. They feel good. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that for a crowd of two people, then then you can do it for a crowd of two hundred. Yeah, yeah. And I, here's how here's how new we are. We think a crowd of two hundred is a lot of people. <laughs> I'd kill for a crowd of two hundred. <laughs> I think the funny bone holds two hundred. I think that seems about right. About right there. So I, I think I've maybe I've seen a crowd of two hundred, but that's still like cool. Um, that's but, why those, those clashes feel so crazy. That's why there. clashes feel so good, man. Like, Oh, it feels like, a, it feels like a hot crowd. Cause it's like about 200 people. Uh, yeah. it feels great. Um, so some, here's some quick questions. Uh, what is your favorite joke that you say? My favorite joke, um, 
I have a, a pretty long bit about my fear of needles, my needle phobia. Yeah. I did a, a good five minutes just on, just kind of like riffing on that idea for my clash set mm. uh, recently, like in August. And um, it's kind of funny because they, they came back to me and they're like, too much needle stuff, man. And I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Here's the thing, too much needles, not enough the thumb but, part that you push on the knee, on the <laughs> shot to get the medicine juice going. I just felt, I felt, I don't know, because like the jokes while they were, you know, in general about like my needle phobia, like I take a lot of like different approaches to like what that looks like in my life. Like how, you know, I've never been able to watch the movie Pulp Fiction because I'm so afraid of needles. Really? I don't realize uh, if you've there's never, a, it's, yeah, there, if you've never seen this movie, folks, um, there's a scene that's pretty needle centric. Uh, about 15 minutes into it, uh, wow, Sam Jackson, holy shit. Sam Jackson, and John Travolta, or no, it might just be no. Okay, no, so we, no, we all the fact know. That we you all know, know how long it's been in there. Yes, we all know. It starts off Sam Jackson, John Travolta talking about cheeseburgers. Like that, that alone would be a great movie. Like I would watch three hours of that. That sounds awesome. Okay. But that's not that movie. And is that what someone told you that movie's gonna be? It's like, hey man, it's just two dudes talking about cheeseburgers of different languages. And I, then I, they surprise you with needles? Is that what happened? Roughly. Oh shit, so okay, then, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. like, right. then, you know, 15 minutes into it, heroin, big ass needle of heroin. Yes. Just going straight into John Travolta's arm. Oh, so you've never seen the part where someone's on the ground and they needle her chest? Oh, no, no, no. So I've seen that part because- Okay. I pass out when I see John Travolta doing heroin. I pass okay. out immediately. Okay. And then about when I wake up is when the heroin overdose has just occurred. Oh. And so I see that and I'm going to pass out again. I just turn it off because fuck that fuck movie. That. So you've missed, you've missed, a, I'm gonna level with you. You've, in your head, that movie's very needle centric. What you just woke up on is just two random scenes are the only two scenes with needles. The rest, as far as not I'm a lot about needles. As far as I'm concerned, that's what that whole movie is about. It's, it's just like trying to make me pass out because there's, a million needles on the screen no, and everyone's I, overdosing on heroin. Surprisingly, it's actually a lot about boxing. And boxing, fighting with- Fighting with fists. Fighting with fists. Um, is, breakfast food uh, and scripture. Like a lot of it, not needles. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'll uh, have to try to brave through I mean, you, some other time. Just like skip it. But most of it, it's mostly about food. Like there's some milkshakes. There's some, I think some flapjacks. The milkshakes is in like the first scene. Yeah. That's the yep. first, whoever those two people are. They don't show well, up third. as far as I've seen. In the okay, no, again. I'm talking about a different milkshake scene. More milkshakes? There's more milkshakes than you think. Uh, and there's some breakfast food. Uh, there's some cheeseburgers. Cheeseburg yeah, because yeah. they talk about the, the cheeseburgers. cheeseburgers. Yeah. Um, th uh, there's some gimps. Like there's a lot not needle in that movie, I think. Um, um, there's Uma Thurman not knowing what shapes are. That's an important part of the film, I think. Um, uh, yeah, like I, I think you just woke up on it. Like, unfortunately, during that one part you should have slept through. The rest, it's a lot about feet. Like, not in like the Tarantino ho -ho, there's like machines. No, Tarantino. like there's a long conversation just about feet massages. Like, there's. I, I'm sad to say, but like, um, that's like your main takeaway saying, yeah, Toy Story, that's a movie about aliens, right? And go, kind, no, <laughs> I think you missed the, I think you, you missed it. I think you missed it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just my personal experience that's watching personal, the film. Right. My interpretation is I might is have that to re-edit this movie without the needles just so you can watch like, again, Uma Thurman not knowing about shapes, I think is a big part of that movie. Wow. Yeah. 
That sounds so bizarre. It, I, it is. It is. Now, now, train spotting. That's a movie about needles. And you don't need to watch that. No, it is just a bunch of heroin addicts. You're, you're fine. Okay. I will not watch that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I apologize. Um, favorite sandwich. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's a tough one. Um, I would have to, I'm a, uh, oof. Lucky sandwich company in Chicago is the best sandwich I've ever really? had. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, they do, it's like corned beef and pastrami. You got cheese, you got French fries, a handful of French fries. Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's like a good way to do coleslaw, it. Coleslaw, tomato, and it's like eight inches tall. Yeah. You have to get your entire face just soaked in grease and tomato juice. Mm. It's fantastic. Oh, it's yeah. the best sandwich I've ever had. Um, I always have to change it up because it would be the same answer every single time, but I finally had the Popeye sandwich like way late. Wow. I had the spicy, and it's uh, a damn good sandwich. That's a damn good chicken sandwich. Would you, would you be willing to die for that sandwich? Because people have been stabbed over a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Does Baby Yoda give me the sandwich? Because, yeah, <laughs> again, as I said, I will die for Baby Yoda. And ba baby Yoda's giving me that chicken sandwich. Yeah, I'll die for that. People have, man. Listen, people, have been people die for memes. Man, people Just, die for memes is what I've learned. And I don't know if I respect that or if I'm 100% on board as something to die for. <laughs> but um, it's a good, like, again, that's a damn good chicken sandwich. I'll give him credit. It's so good. Uh, and, I, yeah, just chicken and bread. Chicken, bread, and sauce. Some pickles. I don't like pickles, so we throw that pickles out. That's your loss, man. No, pickles are garbage. I don't get it. Pickles, I don't like, I don't like cucumbers. And I don't like vinegar. I can't do So why would why why would mixing those together make something good? That's fair. I'm I have my own picky things. <laughs> I don't I don't do onions unless oh, they're that's onion too rings. Bad. That is too bad, man. Well, it's crazy because the worst vegetable the worst vegetable is onions, but the mm. best vegetable is onion rings. Which is just so it just That's like saying sense. I don't like I don't like tomatoes, but you know what vegetable I do like? I like a pizza. Pizza is a great vegetable. I all right. Like <laughs> Easily I know that vegetable. I know that you're you're late to class, but I, I think your next period is going to be health, and they're going to teach you what a food <laughs> pyramid is. And pizza's pizza is at the top, and the top is bad. Wait, shit, do they still do that? I don't know if they still do like the the, the top is still bad. I don't. I think so. I think it's, I think it's been restructured. It's like a yeah, it's a plate now because you want to have like what? And fuck it, pizza fits on a plate. All right, plate. yeah, no, pizza is fits on a plate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then three slices of pizza. Well, you're no, fine. A big thing is like how many different colors you have on your plate now. Like you want to have a very vibrant plate. Okay. Food. Um. So pizza has red. It has brown. It has yellow, and all sometimes green. Sometimes green. If you have some peppers on it. Uh. Fuck it. Yeah. All right. All right. I. Nah, I guess I'm wrong. All right. <laughs> it has clear with the grease. Um. Which can also be white with the grease. <laughs> So, uh, I guess, I guess I'm wrong. Um, I've made myself sick. I, I understand. What's your worst bomb? The worst bomb I've ever had. Yeah. Um, probably it would have been at Patty McGowan's. There was a, <laughs> there was one night I was doing some mildly political yeah. jokes and, uh, that part of town likes Donald Trump a lot. From, I mean, Patty, wait, there's I like, live, like a, I well, live like, a, like a certain subsection of like there's a white, certain set of white rich working people, class, like yeah. white working class yeah. in that area. They like Donald Trump and they don't like when you do jokes about here's him. how much they like Donald so. Trump. I lived next in that area in the Morton Meadows area uh -huh. and there's a lady, an old lady, old white. I didn't have to say white. It's implied, but 
uh, old white lady that will laminate via masking tape memes and long, what can only be described as manifestos, um, <laughs> written in pen and on church stationery, because that part's fair, about her <laughs> views of the world. Like she took the idea of a Facebook wall and Trump's wall and just taped them all over her fence. Oh my God. They're waterlogged. Um, there's some old Hillary memes. Cause you know, you like your memes, like age, like fine milk. And the, she just loves Trump and she loves Pete Ricketts and she loves staying alive in spite of everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh but yeah, that's, that's how much they like Trump. And that's, yeah, that's a weird part of town yeah. to do it. Yeah. So I did, it was a, it's a kind of a bit I've been doing about like how I don't want anyone to assassinate him. I don't want anyone to kill him, but what I do want is for someone to try and it doesn't yeah. like, it doesn't work. It's a failed attempt. Mm -hmm. Cause of course he'd make that all about him. He'd want all the attention from it and he'd like piss off his secret service workers to the point where one of them would probably <laughs> shoot him. Uh, and that would just of course be hilarious. Yeah. He'd say uh, it's um, the biggest gun and we can prove that it isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be him. Yeah. And I, so I tried that and he did not like that at all. There's this, it was like a family of white people yeah. who were just not having it. But I, at the same time, like that was, it was a shitty experience. Just like getting him, he was like heckling me. Right. He was like, he was like, well, actually I love Trump. And like, that's, I'm like, that's cool, man. Like just, cool. I just trying to do my thing here. And well, that was shitty. Like the comics were obviously on my side on yeah. the other side of the room. So yeah. So those even are as, the only two people there comics <laughs> and the one guy like Trump. So they, well, like while as shit, like as shitty as that was, like, it's always good to know, like you still have some people on your side. Right. At the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Um, why do you still do, uh, oh, my biggest bomb, uh, in a one minute set during a co uh, comedy competition, a guy yelled, you are the, you are the worst. <laughs> and I gotta admit, uh, in terms of heckle per minute, one to one is pretty good. <laughs> like that's like this guy saw it, he knew it, and then he exclaimed it. How far into the minute was that? You, All there was right, a one it was it was it was close to the end of the minute. Um, <laughs> so so he had a minute to like really like mull it over. He thought it over. He sure. thought it. Um, he really thought like, is this guy like worse? Like no, 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 the worst. The, the worst. worst. All right. Yep. All right. I'm gonna. But no one else seems to know that I need to let them know that he is the absolute worst. How do I do that? I could mail them. Oh, that's too long. I could, I could tweet it, oh, but I need to ask for their Twitter it's handles. Like, oh, but I have 12 what, followers. So uh, that's true. What do I have? You know, God gave me this voice. I'm going to use it. You suck. All right. See, and now he's doing God's work. <laughs> I get it. Um, uh, why do you tell jokes? Why do I tell jokes? Cause I don't want to take myself too seriously. Like I think there's, <laughs> there's so much funny, fun, beautiful things in the world. And like, why would you spend your time in life? Like just being so serious about everything when you can just have a good time, help other people have a good time. So, I mean, just, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to be a positive force, I guess. Give out only good vibes. Good vibes. Yeah. Bro. Good vibes. Um, and where can people find you? Um, I have an Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, not underscore Alex Preston, yes. which is a lie. Cause I am Alex Preston. 
Oh, I got, I got the bit. It was, yep. it was, it, I, I blew it. wind out of my nose. Yep. You get um, I'm on Twitter. My handle is at cool jorts guy. I'm a big fan of jorts. And, and so. that's, that's like, cause you're not wearing jorts and well, it's cool winter. is subjective. It, the jorts yeah. are out of season. Got it. Got uh, it. Find me in the summer. Definitely wearing and jorts. And they're jorts. Got it. Yeah. Got um, it. Got a couple of shows coming up. I'm going to be doing a three-person improv competition uh, with my team. We are called nice. Charlie's Angles. All right, which is hilarious, right? Because it's actually Charlie so, Angels. Charlie, yep. Yeah, I got it. Got it. It's, Thank you. Yeah, okay. uh, we call ourselves the acutest improv. Team. Fuck off. All right, okay. I was with uh, you. I was yeah, with. Anyway. You. Fuck off. All right, <laughs> but go on. <laughs> uh, so that's we're going to be up on the 29th, I believe. Mm -hmm. That should be next Friday. Yes, next Friday, the 29th. We will be on the three-person improv competition. Uh, come vote for us so we will win and go on to the next round. Hey. And um, let's see. We got a couple more shows coming up, too. On the on December 2nd, on that Monday, it will be on uh, Asher Navani's show. Oh, yes. The, I've done that the, show. The, the yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah. Uh, comedy therapy, I think yep. it's called. Comedy it's, therapy, yeah. I've heard that's a really fun show. It's a fun it's show. Good. It's a great little room. There's some uh, comedy regular. Uh, there's some regular audience members. Uh, there, nice. it's a fun. It's a fun place. Uh, to just really play around. Yeah. Like some of my just more random, uh, just talking to the audience sets have come through Asher stuff. Not the stuff I mentioned here on the podcast, but it, it's a fun one to play with. Right on. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like I've only heard good things it's about really fun doing show. that show. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to doing that one, and then. Got one more coming up on December 13th. Uh, I'm going to be on um, the I-29 comedy productions. Punk triple, Rock 3? Triple uh, Sevens. Oh, the name of the show. that's a so fun it's one. like yes. seven comics, seven minutes, minutes each. Yep. So yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward to nice. that one too. Nice. I think that's at the new... Uh, their, their new space. The big canvas suit. Yeah, yeah, I need to reach out to them because I want to... I want to host one more show. I want to try and do one more style of show. And then like if after that, I don't really want to host again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find me at uh, Plum Jeremy on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and I will be doing a show on December 13th, uh, which is a Friday night at uh, 8 p.m. Um, it will be at the, I believe it's called the Comedy Cafe on 52nd and Leavenworth. Cool. So that'd be kind of fun. Huh. Um, and since uh, I think that's, I don't know when this is coming out, that's going to be the only show I will pluck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, if you want to find the podcast and you haven't found it already, but still listening to this one, we are on Google, we're on uh, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, whenever you can listen to podcasts. Uh, Alex, it's been amazing talking to you. This was a great time, man. Awesome. Like to be well, here. well uh, thank you. And uh, I hope you guys are uh, listening. Enjoy your day. Bye. Bye-bye.